everybody, and welcome to the Black Coffee Fight Club. This episode, I'm teaming up with my old friend Champ Morgan from the band Black Ops. We just kind of talk about MMA in general. Um, he was in attendance at UFC 211, so we kind of break down that card a little bit, um, give our prediction for next weekend's fight with Glover Teixeira and Alexander Gustafson, and um, yeah, just kind of talk about MMA and the ups and downs, the things we like about it, the things we don't like about it, the suicide of Chris Cornell, like all that kind of stuff. This episode is brought to you by Roll77 MMA. They're the best uh, provider of MMA apparel, rash guards, wraps, anything like that. They got great t-shirts. I'm actually wearing a Roll77 t-shirt right now. You can check them out at Roll77USA.com. And the coolest thing about them all their compression gear is made in the U.S. of A. I'd also like to thank Josh Luca for joining the Patreon community. Thanks, Josh, and uh, we look forward to all the cool stuff we got in store. If you're interested in supporting the podcast, you can join Patreon for as little as $1. All you have to do is go to patreon.com backslash everything went black and go ahead, pick one of your options we have several different tiers of involvement and uh yeah you can uh, you can also you can help out and keep the lights on here if you go to everythingwentblackmedia.com there's also a button at top that says donate via patreon and uh yeah we're just trying to do some really cool stuff trying to make some upgrades and like i was saying earlier in other episodes i really want to turn this into a full-blown media site where we have video you know regular shows things like that so this is a first step into doing that and i can use you guys help getting there so anyway onward with the episode yeah that's that's kind of my beef with with bellator sometimes it's like i don't really know when any of the events happen a lot of times and uh we've never done a pay-per-view pay-per-view before so i think they're trying to trying to see what they can get out of it i mean it's they got fedor so you know that's going to cost some money yeah yeah, Chael Sonnen and is uh, was fighting uh, Vondelay Silva, and uh, so I mean that, that's kind of funny. I don't think I don't think Chael's won a fight in years. I hate Chael Sonnen, such a douche. <laughs> I like him not so much as a fighter. I like him as a uh, you know, like a commentary kind of guy. Oh, yeah. he's a great commentator, but just the whole. You know, you know how, how much I dislike all, like, this stupid trash-talking WWF crap. Yeah, definitely. I loathe that, and he was, like, one of the pioneers of that, you know, so every little thing that has to do with anything is that same shit-talking, just, you know. I know that him and Vendley actually, you know, have beef from whatever happened on that show or whatever, but still, the amount of shit that falls out of that guy's mouth is just ridiculous. I think the uh, the Paul Daly Rory McDonald fight was um, was on a, like on some sort of delay I think because it was it was in England that fight I believe it was in London so yeah it was, it was in London yeah I don't, I don't even know uh, like when that's gonna air or if it aired I just know the results I know that Rory McDonald won which I'm pretty excited about yeah it it aired Friday night like all of the I mean it's the same in the same time slot any of the Bellator fights happen oh okay. Oh, so it was already done and over with by the time it showed, you know. Oh, okay, yeah. So I, I, I didn't get home until, like, probably midnight Friday. So, yeah, I, maybe I could watch it on, like, some sort of, like, re, rebroadcast or something. 
Yeah, I mean, it was lame. I mean, of course, McDonald's not going to stand with him, so he just, you know, kind of just waited his time, took him down, and choked him out. You know, that was all it was. It, was it in the first round or the second round? Uh, early in the second, I think. Huh, okay. It was it was extremely lackluster and really showing really. Oh, okay, that's kind of a bummer then. Yeah, and then McDonald, he was like, you know, of course he's getting interviewed by what's his name, Jimmy Smith or whatever. He's all like, you know, this. I'm gonna put everyone in, and it. Of course, he's like flat, emotionless, like <laughs> like a fucking yuppie douche robot. He's like. I'm going to put everybody on notice. I'm coming to take your health. <laughs> like, coming to take my health. Like, just just stop. Just don't even talk. He just needs to have a handler that, that can speak for him because he's just a fucking, he's just an idiot. Yeah, he's like real awkward, definitely. Yeah, I think he was homeschooled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, hey, what do you make of all this uh, McGregor, uh, you know, uh, Floyd Mayweather bullshit that's going on? I hate them both so much <laughs> that I just try to ignore it. Yeah, I'm pretty it's, much in the same page, man. Conor McGregor is, to, to me, in, in my humble fucking opinion, he is the worst thing that's happened to fucking mixed martial arts since the beginning. Yeah. He's a... He is a 100% disrespectful douche. I cannot stand the way he tries to, like, always be on. Like, he's always has to be, like, the center. Of, he's like a petulant adolescent child. And it just makes me fucking crazy. I, I, I try not to watch anything he does. I do not listen to anything he does. I don't... I completely avoid that guy at all costs. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the and same page. Mayweather, of course, is a known woman abuser. You know, like, how many times is that guy going to fucking beat up his wife or girlfriend? But, yeah, and everybody still loves him. He's still the greatest boxer of all time. You know, fuck that dude. Well, I mean, skill-wise, you know, as far as, like, the actual, quote-unquote, sweet science, the guy probably is the greatest boxer of all time. I mean, you know, I, I don't... I enjoy watching the technical um, display. He, he is the kind of boxer that I do not like. Yeah, he's but like I mean, Sugar, he's like Sugar Ray Leonard. They're they're point boxers, they're speed boxers, and I don't I don't like that. Right. I've never liked that. I like a guy that'll go in there and get with it. You know, Marvin Hagler. Yeah. One of my favorite boxers of all time, Tommy Hearns. Um, Alexis Arguello was a very technical boxer, but you know he went in there to knock you out. That was his. You know, he was like. He was like Mayweather, but he he wanted to stop you. He didn't want to just point you out for, you know, was it 12, 15 rounds? You know, Alexis Arguello was never that way. He's extremely technical, but he was going in there to win. Yeah, I mean, so I guess... Floyd, man, go ahead. Yeah, I think, like, Bernard Hopkins is probably one of my favorites for that reason, for his tech, you know, technical abilities, but also, you know, there's some power behind his uh, his shots, too, you know? Yeah, the ex yeah, Bernard, the, the executioner was, I liked him a lot too, until he started saying something about not letting a white guy knock him out or some stupid shit, and then he got <laughs> knocked through the ropes. <laughs> yeah. Hey man, you know, you know, getting punched in the face a lot doesn't really do much for your brain, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, and the fact that he's, he, I think he's actually older than I am. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, you know, and those are some hard down. years. It, it is, it is uh, you know, Mother Nature and time went all fights, so. Yeah, I think that it's, um, 
like two of the most unlikable guys battling it out. And I'm probably, I, I want to say that I won't watch it, but I got to be honest with you, man. If someone's going to get the pay-per-view, I'll probably show up and check it out. You know what I mean? Oh, if, so, if, if somebody invited me to watch it, I would probably go see it. But what everyone needs to understand is this is, they're both in on this. This is yeah. 100% a cash grab. Oh yeah, big time. It's not like trying to, you know, say my school my skill set is this and your skill set is that and we're going to face each other or anything like this. this is nothing but a giant like Don King circle jerk money maker is all this is. It's the same kind of bullshit stir up like Don King used to do in the, in the 80s and 90s like it's just dumb. Yeah, dumb, I, dumb, I tend dumb. to agree, man. And um yeah, one one of the things is just for people who don't really understand the like fighting, the skill of fighting, it's really like taking, you know, like a volleyball player and putting them against a bowler and saying, let's see who is the best, you know, whatever. It's just like it's apples and oranges, MMA versus boxing. Even though there are guys throwing punches at each other in MMA, there's like the size of the gloves, there's the threat of the takedown, there's like leg kicks versus a guy who just basically has two weapons and um and and it's a completely different sport and that's it's not doing much for either sport in my opinion yeah i mean i i agree with that you know and i i think it all comes down to the the delusion of conor mcgregor and his skill set like he thinks he honestly thinks that he's a better boxer hmm. you know but he also understands that he's never made a hundred million dollar payday in his life and Floyd Mayweather's done that how many times now? Yeah, there, there's a huge pay differential in what these guys are used to getting paid. That That's for sure, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I think I was talking about this with my friend last night, and uh, he he thinks as soon as is McGregor, he's, he thinks that, he, that he'll retire after this fight, like from fighting altogether. He'll take this huge payday and just retire out. I kind of agree with that. That's something that's been talked about on my end too, with some of my, you know, people I talk to about this stuff. And uh, it kind of makes sense if you think about it. I mean, the guy McGregor, that is, is not really into this for the sport of it. It really is just a sort of ego maniac like approach to financial gains and you know putting together, stacking up as much cash as possible. So why would he ever go back to MMA and? The trend shows him never defending any of his previous titles, so why would he start now, especially with like this massive amount of cash in under his belt, you know what I mean? So it makes sense. I think this is probably the last we're going to see of Conor McGregor. I hope so. <laughs> I do too, man. I cannot fucking stand that guy. Makes me, makes me sick. You know, it's kind of funny. I, I, I have fight pass, so I, you know, a lot of times of my spare time, I find myself going back and watching some of the old fights from, uh, you know, the Chuck Liddell era, you know, Tito Ortiz, uh, you know, Randy Couture era. And I, I got to be honest, man, I miss that, that, those days. Those are my favorite days of MMA, I think. Yeah, I mean, the, the golden age of, of MMA in my, in my opinion, you know, it's like comics, the silver age, the golden age or whatever. You know, now it's just turned, you know, it's not like the best guy fought this other, you know, somebody like works their way up. Now it's all about some market, like who can you market more, who can put more, you know, who can, I think you should be able to earn that title shot. 
you know, not be like, oh, well, you're not marketable, so we're going to let this other guy jump over you because we think we can sell more tickets. You know, or, or this guy, he really talks, you know, he really talks the WWF shit better than you, so we're going to let him hopscotch you. And that's what Jail Shannon has done. That's what, you know, that's what Conor McGregor has done. You know, whether those guys win or lose in the end, to me, is irrelevant because they've, they've gotten title shots, in my opinion, that they did not deserve. Yeah, definitely. It all comes back to the fucking shit talking and the and the WWF, you know, disrespecting and you know that it's all about it's it's more about sales than it is about skill level. Yeah, and I think the um, the new ownership of the UFC is going to exacerbate that situation because they're trying to make back that you know four point whatever billion dollar you know deficit they have to overcome now from buying a promotion that most likely is not worth that amount of money. So this is what we're going to be seeing for the next five years, probably. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's just like, uh, what's his name, Tony Franklin? Is that his name, Frank? Tony Franklin? Rich Franklin? No, 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 no. The new, the, the Mexican dude, he was on Ultimate Fighter. What's his name? Franklin. He's a 155 guy. He's got an insane skill set. He's All been right. winning everything lately. Did he fight recently, or he came off of Ultimate Fighter? He was on Ultimate Fighter. I think he won Ultimate Fighter. It's a Mexican he's guy got, named Franklin. He's a, he's a Hispanic dude, and but he's you know he looks like a gremlin. Like his ears stick out. Oh, uh, Moreno. I think that's the guy, Moreno. I don't think he's 155 though. I know his name's Tony something. Tony. Huh. But he's, he's beaten everybody, and his skill set is ridiculous. But, you know, where's that guy's title shot? You know, he was supposed to fight um, Nemegdomedov, but... Oh, really? Um, okay. He was supposed to fight Khabib? Yeah. Oh, Khabib. Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson, there you go. Yeah, okay. When, all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, now, now I'm with you. They're, they, were, they were scheduled to fight, and then uh, Khabib had that uh, the weight cut issue where he ended up going to the hospital. Yeah. yeah. See, that's another thing. This whole, this whole gigantic weight cut thing is, you know, is scary too. You know, it's just like some guys are cutting like 30 pounds to get like McGregor's that guy. I mean, he looks like he just got out of Auschwitz when he weighs in. Well, I mean, honestly, man, that's that's like the key to his success was beating up little guys. Really, I mean. You know, yeah. I mean, he probably the lowest weight class he probably should have fought in was 155, and reality, he probably walks around at like over 170, like probably like 175, I imagine. You know what I mean? Oh, I would, I would put solid money on that. Yeah. You know, but that, that's the thing that gets me, especially about someone like him that talks about his skill set, his skill level, and no one can touch him. But he only cuts weight. You know what I mean? He only goes down. He like he'll, he keeps getting smaller and smaller and smaller because he wants to use that size advantage. If you think you're the best, then fight at, fight at your walking around weight. Like look at Frankie Edgar. Frankie Edgar oh, yeah. would eat a cheeseburger as he was weighing in. Yeah, I mean it's debatable that that he probably, you know, on with the normal protocol that people have to cut in weight, Frankie probably could easily fight it at bantam weight at 135. You know, I mean, he's like this, the right, that's actually, if you look at the physical size of Frankie versus the other bantamweights, that's pretty much more where he fits in, you know, but right. he was, a, he was a lightweight champ. Then he, then he dropped down to 145 and he's like top three, top two. 
And, uh, you know, I, I could see him being successful at 135 because he really wouldn't be cutting that much weight, you know. Yeah, he looked incredible at UFC 211. Oh, man. Well, let's, let's talk about UFC 211, man, because you were there in person to see the whole thing. Yeah, it was a good fight. There was only two. There was only two like snoozers in the entire card. There, there was a lot, a lot of really good shit. But seeing Frank, I've seen Frank Yeager fight twice now, both times. I'm just like, don't you know anybody that doesn't like? I don't understand anybody that doesn't like that guy. Yeah, he's so. like this kind of like unsung hero in the 100, 145 pound division, um, and I think a lot of that ties into what we were just talking about. You know about his inability or actually not inability but his avoidance of the shit talking like he just doesn't want to engage in any of that stuff it seems yeah and that's why i love him so much yeah yeah me too you know and he's just like a meat and potatoes guy man i'm, I'm a total i've always been a fan of frankie's man definitely he and, just comes into work and he has done nothing but improve since the very first time he ever got in the cage and also what frankie's what 36 maybe yeah like if, he's, if not older i mean he he's not a young guy yeah, he's no spring chicken, man. And, you know, the first thing to go is speed and endurance. And I don't think, it doesn't seem like any of that stuff has really been affected in Frankie's game plan, you know, in his skill set at all, you know. I think it's actually gone up. I mean, he's always had a deep gas tank. Like, you can't wear that dude out. But I think his, I think his, his speed and accuracy, especially with his striking, is really, really ramped up in the last two years. Yeah, no, I'll agree with that. And uh, what, what they, here, he fought here in Austin, he fought Cub Swanson, and Cub Swanson has an incredible stand-up, and he made Cub Swanson look like a fucking amateur here. Yeah, I remember that fight. Yeah, I watched it on TV up here. You know, and then, you know, with this Yar Rodriguez guy who's has crazy, crazy, you know, flying, spinning attacks, and he just pressured him, shut him down, put him on the ground, and just pummeled him. And the doctor stopped that fight because he actually fractured um his orbital bone. Yeah. Like, so that kid, you know, he's, he's, that kid's in his 20s, and it's going to be probably a year before you see that guy come back and fight anybody again. And that leads into this other big, um, you know, obviously when they, they do this frequently, where they, they bring in the young guy and they pit him up against, like, you know, an older, what someone maybe perceived as a veteran in their twilight years. And I think they fucked up this time by putting him against Frankie, man. I mean, there's nothing indicating that Frankie's in his twilight years at all. You know what I mean? And well, to I, me, to, to, yeah, Frankie is nowhere near his twilight years. I mean, that guy's like drinking from the fountain of youth or something. Like, I need, I need, to, I need, to, I need to take what that guy's selling somewhere. But, but, you know, it's, I think it's another thing is they don't like marketing Frankie Edgar. They've never backed Frankie Edgar against anybody. They've, you know, where's that guy's title shot? How many people does he need to beat before he gets another title shot? He's one of those guys that gets backburnered because he refuses to shit talk. So they bring this young, you know, flamboyant, crazy, spinning, jumping guy to be like, oh, well, we'll just try to, you know, Frankie's older. We can't really sell him. So, you know, if he gets blasted out, then it's going to move up this younger guy. You know, I mean, it's... he. It's, it's he's, they put him in a really bad position. Yeah, definitely. You know, Rodriguez was what? Like I think he was like seven or eight. I think ranked. You know, it was like yeah. a, a scenario where it only would have done good for Yair to fight Frankie. You know, I think he yeah, was. He had, he had nothing to lose. I mean, he only had like big positions to gain because he's like the hot guy in that weight class right now. And mm -hmm. you know, like he came out of nowhere. 
jumping, spinning attacks. You know, he, you know, he does highlight real stuff all the time, and that's what they wanted to see. Unfortunately, you know, when you pressure him and he he can't keep his distance and keep you at the end of his weapons, and he got chewed up. Yeah, because also I think that it's just a you know lack of experience, man. Because his ground game actually is pretty good. I mean, there's that he had that um, that leg lock he got on Frankie. Yeah, he's good in the scrambles, it seems like. But it's probably just a lack of overall seasoning that he, you know, that he has. That you know, he has to overcome that, which is just more time on the mat, you know, more time in the cage. Well, Frankie seasoned him up real good with the soft <laughs> mat because he, yeah. he fucked that kid up. I was screaming and I was like standing up, yelling because you know the it was in Dallas, so there was like a huge Hispanic contingent there for the fights. Right. Uh, oh, but they went crazy when Yar came out. Like, that place exploded when Yar came out. And yeah. it was like, I don't know, 50% of the volume at best when Frankie came out. It was crazy. I mean, that place, like, blew up when the Yar came out. And yeah, I watched that at done. Buffalo Wild Wings, man. And even on TV, you know, even on the screen, it was um, it was definitely, you can you can tell that there was a huge crowd response from when, when Rodriguez came out. I mean, he's a marketable guy, you know, yeah. he's young, he does, like, big, crazy stuff, he's good-looking, he's well-spoken, I mean, he's, you know, he's a marketable person, you know, but he just, he didn't have the answer for the answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Another sort of, uh, you know, veteran versus, up, you know, newcomer, well, it's not not even a newcomer, but he's a newcomer to that division, is uh, the Jorge Masvidal-Damian uh, Maya fight, you know what I mean, which is, like, Maya really... Like taking that fight was definitely another risk for him because I mean he was, you know he what, what he was like number two or three I think ranked, and yeah it, he's number three yeah, and Rodriguez I mean not Rodriguez um, Masvidal just came into the division you know he got that win over Cowboy and you know it's all wins for him you know doing this fight you know but it's like from from Maya to take the fight I think was like it, it's almost like. I mean, there's two ways of looking at it. He could have, he should have sat out and maybe waited for a title shot, but that title shot probably would never have came if he hadn't fought Masvidal. You know what I mean? Because because Maya is as much as I I, I like you know his jujitsu skill set. He's a boring fighter. Yeah. He takes you down. He holds you down. You know, it's like he's the greatest. You know, and Joe Rogan like is like he's the greatest jujitsu fighter in all of the UFC and like. When was the last time he actually tapped somebody out? Like he's a he's a control person. He he's a clock writer. I mean, and he constantly you know it's not like he's not constantly attacking, but you know he to me it just seems like he once he gets you to the ground it's like it's like a BJJ competition at that point in time. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's you, uh... if you hold you in a control position and he stays busy it's like he's constantly like stacking up points like at a, at a bjj tournament and it makes me crazy and like you're saying if, if he didn't take this fight versus Masvidal, he probably wouldn't have got a title shot because that's another guy the ufc doesn't want to market because he's not entertaining you know he could he could he literally choke every single person in the ufc up yeah <laughs> he, he could you know there's not anybody you know near close to that skill set you know there's a couple guys that are you know, like, uh, oh, what's his name? Slip my name. The alligator, the crocodile guy. Oh, Jacare. Um, yeah. Correct. Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to see a BJJ match between Maya, Maya and Jacare. I think that would be entertaining. But 
you know, it's, it, it gets it comes back to marketing. You know, Mai is quiet. He doesn't hate anybody. He doesn't shit talk anybody. He's a control guy. You know, he's not blasting anybody out. He's not doing like, you know, a flying triangle submission. Or he's he's a hard market sell. So, like you said, if he didn't take this fight with Masvidal, he this would have probably been the number three guy for another year or two, and then been like, oh well, screw this. I'm getting old. I'm going to retire. Yeah. I mean, I definitely am interested. I'm sort of intrigued by seeing him fight Tyron Woodley, though. You know, because they're two. I mean, Woodley's got awesome, you know, better, better striking, obviously, but they're two more grappling-oriented um, fighters. You know, Woodley more with the wrestling, and uh, you know, but he's got he's got good boxing, Woodley, but good MMA boxing. You know, and um, I'm definitely interested in that. I, I, for me, I put I put the uh, the advantage over on Woodley in this fight, though. You know. I do too because Maya's stand-up is so bad. Yeah. And his his takedowns are terrible. There's like I was telling my my friend Jackson that went with me, and he's a he's a jujitsu brown belt, the guy I've trained with a bunch. And uh, you know that was like our whole thing was like, how is he gonna how is he gonna try to get Masvidal down because he has terrible takedowns. But then Masvidal didn't do anything standing up. It was just I didn't understand it. It was like he was kind of like letting him come in and grab a hold of him. He didn't keep him at range. He didn't box him up. He didn't, you know, kick him that many times. It just seemed really weird the, the entire way that Masvidal fought. I mean, Maya does, you know, some of the stuff that he does, like when he, he'll grab you and he'll kind of sit down a little bit and then he'll reach, he'll hook his leg out. He'll, he'll do this weird, like, long, like, hooking thing with his leg to kick you off balance, and I like that. I mean, what he, the way he does it is cool, but, you know, the guy's not a banger, you know, he, He's not hitting anybody. He's not kicking anybody. He's not single or double legging anybody. He's just—he's a control guy, and he's a snoozer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I—I'm I, still interested in that fight though, with him and Willie. But I do think Willie's going to win that one. I think that he might knock him out or something. Honestly, you know. Or I—I I, I mean, I'm—I'm interested. I'm, I'm interested in any title fight, really. Honestly, if if someone really deserves the title shot, you know. The, the thing that Maya has to watch out for with Tyron Woodley is Tyron Woodley will knock your head into the upper deck of the stands. Yeah. The dude hits like a Mack truck, and he's going to try to hit you, which Masvidal should have done. You know, Tyron Woodley is not a conservative guy. You know, he comes in there to try to put you out, and I think he's going to do that to Maya. Maya's takedowns aren't, I don't think they're going to be enough. I mean, Woodley's came from a wrestling background. You know, he's going to have a, he's going <laughs> he's going to have a tough time with that dude for sure. And also Woodley's takedowns on his own, you know, by his own merit, I think he'll be able to take take uh, Maya down pretty much at will, really. Yeah, but I honestly don't think that would be a smart decision on his part. You know, unless Maya gets tired, which happens, which happens, he does. Yeah, he's not. He's fought for the title what once before? Uh not at one seventy. I don't think. Because he was up at 185, um, he fought against Anderson Silva, and I believe Anderson Silva had the title at that point. I'd have to double check the facts on that, but that was that was one of those fights where Silva was like, for like the fifth round, it was kind of just dancing around and avoiding him. Oh, uh, that that was in U that was UFC 100, I think. Yeah. Because that was the one. That was the fight that I really started hating Anderson Silva. Yeah, he didn't engage for an entire round. He didn't engage at all, and then there was one point, I think in the third round, where they were moving around, and he actually grabbed the ref and pulled the ref between him and Maya. Yeah, if that's the fight. 
Yeah. And that was, that was the exact point in time that I started hating Anderson Silva. Yep. And that was simply gonna grab the ref and pull him between the two of you because you're more interested in dancing around than, you know, finishing. I believe that was the uh, that was the only time that Maya has fought for the title, and it was at the at the middleweight division. And then, um, right. yeah, and down right. at 170, I don't think so. I think he beat uh, John Fitch after Fitch lost to GSP. And that's when they cut John Fitch, I believe, it was after his fight with Damian Maya. And that was like, Maya just wore him like a suit for the entire fight, you know. It was yeah, just, this, is the thing, this is the same thing he did to Jake Shields. He yeah. just, you know, that was a boring fight. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, you know, it's just one of those things, right? I was watching, it was like one of the most frustrating things when he fought John Fitch. He was just like, you know, the whole time he was just riding this guy, you know what I mean? And... You know, Fish was defending, defending submission attempts, things like that, but it was a points a points battle, you know. Yeah, it became a grappling tournament. Yeah. And, you know, it's just it's the same way, you know, and that's, you know, again, that's why you can't market Damien Maya. Speaking of grappling, you know, man, like did, he, did you check yeah. out any of that, uh, 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 was it, was that underground, um, what the hell is it called, grappling underground, submission underground, that was uh, last weekend? It's like Chell Sonnen's promotion. Uh-huh. You hear about that? Uh, I've heard about it, but I haven't watched it. Yeah, it's like, I'm really, uh, I haven't seen any of these events yet. I mean, there's there's so much shit to watch these days, man. And, like, um, I think I might want to check that out because it's like, it was uh, uh, Jake Shields versus Dylan Dennis, and uh, Shields uh, submitted him. And it's a uh, submission-only um, type of scenario. And uh, I'm really excited about checking that out, man. I think I think it's still yeah, available they, somewhere. They, Ties that on flow grappling. I just flow here. That thing. I'm not paying that. Oh, it's oh yeah. How how much how much is how much of the pay per view for that? Didn't didn't Faber grapple on that too? Yeah, it was Faber versus uh, who the hell did he fight? Man, it was he lost though I think, but it was like uh, some one of those like Brazilian like killer guys, not Kyle Terra. Um, I'll have to look that one up. But yeah, Faber competed. It's a set of brothers, and he, he wrestled one, he, he grappled one of them. I can't remember what their names are. Yeah, it's on the tip of my tongue because I, I like I stay. I, I'm not I'm not the the biggest like straight up grappling fan like watching the sport. I mean, I like you know I like getting out on the mat and doing doing grappling myself. But I, it's kind of like unless you're, I feel like it's a hard sport to really watch sometimes. You know what I mean? Yeah, unless you're like a grappling aficionado, you know, unless that's like 100% your thing. Like, to me, stuff like that kind of tends to be a little bit like baseball. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, it is. Like, you can't really watch baseball on TV, but you go to the you go to the ballpark and you're, you know, you're having the time of your life. Same thing with the grappling tournament. You go see it live. It's a, There's a lot more emotion involved, and it's a lot better to, to, to keep track of. Yeah, but the no gi stuff for sure. I mean, if I'm going to watch a grappling tournament and not, you know, not participate in it, I I would like to uh, to have it be no gi submission only, no points. Like I think that's the the model. That's you know the best you know set of rules I think you can go with. Yeah, Eddie Bravo's doing that. He has the Eddie yep. Bravo uh, was it invitational stuff. That yeah, he does? EBI. Yep, yep. I really. They do. They do those like once a month. Yeah, yeah. Actually, a buddy of mine, Alex Eklund, um, he competed twice in EBI, 
Um, and I like their rules, too, because it, it almost has, like, an overtime. Like, the overtime rounds are similar to wrestling. Um, you know, I mean, not like, you know, the idea of, like, one guy starts in the referee position, you know. It's like if there's this tie at the end of the at the end of the of the uh, the round or the match they go into overtime or one guy goes you know with uh, the back you know taking the back position and then the, and whoever gets the submission faster is the winner of the uh, of the fight or the of the of the, of the uh, match it's like a pretty oh. interesting rule set they have yeah i mean there's a lot that needs to be done to to improve <laughs> grappling tournaments you know especially yeah, because if you watch the Metamorphosis ones, I mean, that was like the first like major, um, you know, like promoted, you know, submission only sort of thing. But there was so many of those matches ended up in a draw. And I was like, kind of, I think people get tired of that. You know, there was no clear winner because there was no points, you know. Yeah, I mean, Metamorphosis was cool because they, they matched up some really high level dudes. Yeah. But yeah. Their point system and all that was was pure garbage. Yeah, they had Josh Barnett. That was uh, they got him on there with um, against uh, who the hell did he who did he fight against? It was uh, well, JB. He he submitted um, what's his name um, the leg lock dude. Um, I did a seminar with him. <laughs> I should remember his name, man. Uh, but yeah, it's on tip of my tongue. JB fought Dean Lister. Dean Lister, yeah, yeah. That's uh. And do you wasn't there some crazy stat about how he'd never been submitted in a tournament before? With Dean yeah. Lister, yeah. And Josh Barnett, and, and the you know, and Josh Barnett got him with some wrestling. I mean, it was straight catch wrestling what he did. And that was to me, you know, gave me, you know, made me go crazy. Yeah. It was all like a neck crank, but when you're doing it, you bring your hips up off the ground. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a compression. You're compressing the. The entire rib cage while you're pulling the head and neck up, it's it's fucking terrible. So you, you do it a lot in sambo too, but it's 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 really an original catch wrestling thing because you're pinning at the same time that you're submitting, and it's a neck crank, a, a throat. You're kind of like closing the. It's like a can opener almost, but then you're you're like basically rounding your back into their rib cage to compress it. Sounds vicious, man. It is it is fucking terrible. <laughs> yeah. My friend McCready down here, he's a he's a big sambo guy, and dude, he he'll make you shit your pants. <laughs> it's 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 crazy. Yeah, you definitely have a lot more experience in grappling than I do, man. Like I, you know, like you've done BJ, you, you still train BJJ, right? Oh, I've been off for a while. I've had this neck injury, so I haven't I haven't been able to roll in probably a year and a half, two years. Um. But I'm getting surgery on June 19th, so hopefully by September I should be able to at least start getting back into trying to grapple again. But I mean, you've done BJJ, sambo, catch wrestling, and then you have a background in folk style wrestling too, right? Like long, and, yeah. hardcore. Yeah, I came into folk style, and then I got into BJJ. Uh, I've done Japanese judo, catch wrestling, sambo. Uh, train some judo in there too. I've done a lot of different things, really. But yeah, I mean, if I had to, if I had a choice between like stand up arts and and grappling, I'm a I'm a grappling guy. I just you know it's just something that I've always been in. Something I've always been interested in. So what do you think about Junior DeSantos, man? You think um, 
you know, that, that was obviously the, the main event of the evening that you went to. Um, yeah, what, what are your thoughts on him, man? I, uh, you know, I'm a fa- I love him, but I think maybe this might be, you know, looking at the end of his career possibly. Yeah, he's he is such a lovable guy. <laughs> yeah, you know, like he helps out poor kids in Brazil. He's he's big. He's happy. You know, he trains hard. He comes to fight. You know, I just think that, you know, he's he's getting older. He's not young, and he's had some fucking wars, man. Like that guy's been banged up, <laughs> and you know, he he might end up being one of those one of those guys that has one too many fights, you know what I mean? Like, I agree with you that he's probably in getting to the twilight of his career right now. Yeah, you know, and it's like, it's funny because, um, well, you know, Stipe is, I think, in his, he's hitting his, his stride now, you know what I'm saying? Like, he's improved every single fight I've seen of his. He just seems to be getting better and better. And um, I, I watched their first fight, like, three times, like, going into the week of this, of their rematch. And one time I actually was like, convinced that Stipe had won, but then the the right before they fought, I definitely was like, okay, yeah, I can see that Junior DeSantos won that fight. But, um, I mean, I know MMA math is not really, uh, you know, an accurate way of assessing anything, but Stipe just came in there, man, and just, like, took care of business, man. And, I don't know, who do you see beating Stipe? Say that last part again? Who do you see beating Stipe, like, moving forward? Well, the thing with Stipe, in my opinion, is it's always going to be the same. Like, if you watch his any of his fights leading up to this one, he always gets caught in the first round. You know what I mean? Like, he always yeah. gets hit hard. Right. <laughs> you know? Like, I mean, he may still end up winning in the first round, but, like, like when he fought Alistair Overeem, Alistair Overeem had him in a bad place in the first round. Yeah. You know, like, he'll take, you know, like, he, somebody always catches him. And then he seems to, like, be like Hulk Hogan, like, putting the finger up, like, waving it, like, I'm coming back. <laughs> and then he, you know, and then he just comes back and, you know, puts your head through the mat. So I think there's there's got to, you know, there's going to be somebody out there that's going to catch him and it's going to actually knock him out. Do you think Kane comes back, man? Kane, as much as I like that guy, he he's like Khabib, you know. It's those AKA guys, they get hurt all the fucking time. You know, how many times has Kane had surgery now, like on his shoulders, on his back, his knee? I mean, he's had some really shitty, you know, like injury problems. So, I mean, I would like to see that guy come back because, you know, he's big, he moves well, his stand-up is, you know, it's ridiculous. I mean, like the last time he fought JDS, man, he lit that dude up for five solid rounds. And to see a big man move like that is is 100% entertaining. But if that guy can't stay healthy, then, you know, plus he's not, you know, he's getting older every single day. You know, you're going to get to the point that you're just going to be too old to compete. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, like, a prime Kane and a prime Stipe, I think, would be a great fight because both of those guys move like they're 185 pounds. You know what I mean? That, that would be the heavyweight fight that I would – it's one of the few heavyweight fights that I would actually be interested in. Would be would be Kane versus Stipe. Yeah. That, that Stipe guy, holy shit, that guy hits hard. Yeah. And you, you cannot shake that. That guy looks like he's bored. He's like he's like Fedor. He looks like he's bored to death walking in the ring. Like you can't, you don't get that dude riled up. He just comes in and it does his job. 
probably that has something to do with his uh, what he does for a living is uh you know run into burning buildings and rescuing people <laughs> you know yeah like coming in coming you know like literally being under fire <laughs> yeah I bet I bet like if that was your job there's not much else that would probably you know shake you you know what I mean yeah it's like that one guy from Bellator what was his name Mike Mike the Marine he was like some Marine Corps infantry guy and he came into Bellator like just knocking people out everyone was just like oh you know are you you don't seem like you're ever going to be nervous getting in the cage like I've been you know he did yeah. like four, he did like four tours in the Middle East in a, in a gun company like come on like getting in that cage is going to be nothing like getting shot at and shit blowing up all around you no, it's like Tim Kennedy, too, man. Like, that dude, like, special forces, you know. I mean, he's probably been in some gnarly situations in his lifetime. Which guy? Tim Kennedy. Oh, yeah, Tim. Yeah, but he's he retired, so, you know, probably good for him, man. You know, it's, you know, he's, he's like an older guy. And I think that in his layoff, like, he, he had taken, he hadn't fought in, like, two years or something like that. And then he came back to fight Kelvin Gastelum and, uh, it's just like a different thing, man. You know, it's like it just looked like he got tired. You know what I'm saying? Like that well, conditioning. I mean, you know, it's it's the same thing. You know, like time wins all wars. You know, you're gonna get older. You know, when he when he fought Yoel Romero, that that dirty cheating piece of shit. Yeah. You know, he got knocked out hard in that fight because he was just so tired because he had just knocked Romero out. Yep. But let, they let Romero come back, so he's spent. And you know when you're when you're that spent, you get you get blasted out. I mean, I think that may have been but the exact point when that guy's career, you know, should have stopped. Yeah, definitely, man. It's like, it's like the safety switch. You know, you get you get put out that hard, and no one's really ever put Tim Kennedy out that hard before. You know, you it's know, funny though. There are these like fights. There there are these definite moments you can pick out with some of these some fighters where it's like, Okay, that was the fight where we turned the corner on them, you know what I mean? And I think I agree with you on that. That Yoel Romero KO, especially in the the circumstances that surrounded it, that was like kind of the beginning of the end, I feel, you know what I mean? And with joint with uh, Junior Dos Santos it was like the Kane battles, like when Kane and him went to war against each other. That was like the sort of point of no return I felt for Junior Dos Santos, like the beatings he took against Kane Velasquez. Yeah, when Kane when Kane just dismantled him for five rounds. I mean, in my opinion, that fight should have been stopped. I don't know five, six times in that fight. Yeah. Because Kane just had. I mean, you got to think of that guy's long-term safety and health when you get basically knocked out with one hand and then woken up with the other hand. <laughs> you know. <laughs> just like oh that just felt so bad for that guy and his you know and his kids like he's gonna go home and his you know his eyes are still gonna be shaken by the time he gets back to brazil because his brain's all scrambled up yeah and i i think i agree with you 100 percent. like that was probably the beginning of the twilight for jds is when kane just when kane broke him in that fight it was uh, it was it was kind of humiliating really yeah you know it's it's uh we got robbie lawler coming back um in the next few months, and I'm, that's that's another guy. I feel like his back-to-back battles with Roy McDonald and Carlos Condit were two grueling five-round fights where they they were just. I don't feel like either one of those three guys. I feel like are different now. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, you know, coming off of those two defeats, you know, coming off those two wins rather, um, 
you know, Robbie Lawler got KO'd by Tyron Woodley in the first round. And yeah. uh, that's not to take anything away from Tyron Woodley. I mean, that guy hits hard. You know, look at the look at his look at that look at that dude's legs. Look at his legs and his ass. And imagine that power being focused into a right cross. So I mean, there's a lot of behind that punch, man. You know. Yeah, that, that dude is built like a like a comic book superhero. Yeah, absolutely. You know. He looks like the He-Man figure you had when you were a kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but also, I kind of feel like. Robbie was a little diminished after those two just beat down, like drag out fights that he had, man. I mean, they, they like, went five rounds and, and no one you know, won. <laughs> Robbie, Robbie is not a young man. Nope. You know, I mean, he started, I mean, God, how many years ago did he start fighting? Like 15 years ago oh, yeah. or something crazy yeah. like that? With uh, Pat Militich, he was in Strike Force. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, he, he came, he actually had two careers pretty much. Yeah, I mean, when, when he went to school, when he went to school, that was like the second coming of this year because he was he had already fought for a long time and then had got away from the UFC. Yeah. But to strike for I mean that guy's had a long career of getting punched in the head, you know, and he's been he's been in nothing but wars. Like you know that guy's never had an easy street. And I think Cowboy's kind of getting into that same thing. Yeah. You know, because Masvidal Masvidal didn't even hit him that hard. You know. When he when he knocked him out, and, and and honestly too, this is another thing that needs to be that I that I that makes me crazy too. As much as I like the Jackson and Winkle John, when if you go back and watch that fight, what the Cowboy Masvidal fight, like he gets knocked out at the end of the first round, and the bell saves him. Yeah. And and the cameras follow him to his corner, you know, and the mics are on, you know, they they want you to hear what's going on in the corner to add to the the viewing of the fight and the first thing that, that Greg Jackson says is like he's like you, you're still here you get knocked down in every fight mm-hmm. you can come back from this and they 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 put the camera right on Cowboy's face and he can't even look at Greg Jackson because he doesn't fully understand where he's at yes I picked up on that too yep know what I mean like you you've you've been sparring before you've been hit hard oh yeah hard. I got hit hard on Friday, actually. <laughs> yeah, I mean, body. I mean, it doesn't matter if you're getting hit in the head or the body. When you're not yourself, you can hear the voices of your coaches, but you can't really look and focus on where they're at. Yeah. And at that point in time, that fight should have been stopped by Greg Jackson. He should have said, Cowboy, I love you. You're the toughest son of a bitch I've ever trained in my entire life, but for your safety, we're going to stop this. And you may be mad about it today, but you're going to hug me about it tomorrow. And he did not do that. Yeah, no, I agree with that, yeah. And that, you're, you know, I understand you're a coach and you're trying to push your guy, and you know your guy's tough. I mean, Cowboy is the single, in my opinion, in the top three toughest dudes in all of, in all of fighting. 100%, man. 100%, I think. I agree with that 100%, man. He's one of the toughest guys out there, the most game dudes there is, and he'll fight every day if he can, you know. But to to me, he's he's getting he's earning that magic place where it's going to be easier and easier to knock him out. Yeah. And and, and I think and Robbie Lawler is in that exact in that exact same box because Robbie uh, Robbie Lawler is another one of those guys in the top tier of the toughest. Like if you thought about someone that was tough in MMA, like Robbie Lawler and Cowboy are at the top. You know, they're like at the 
you know, the pinnacle of that list of just straight up tough motherfuckers. Yeah. And I think that fight coming up between them, between the both of them is going to prove it because one of them is going to get, someone's getting knocked out in that fight. Oh yeah, man. This is, this is going to be a hundred percent stand up fight. And definitely somebody's going out, you know, I, I, those, those two guys, as much as I love them both, probably have forgotten seventh grade math because they've been hitting the head so hard so many times that it's just not there anymore. Yeah, probably. You know, but that was that was really, really, really bad on Greg Jackson's part. Because you can see it. You can I mean you can go you mean you have fight pass, you can go back to that exact moment and you know, you can that's a that's a pointing in Greg Jackson's face like, fuck you dude. Fuck you. You just hurt that guy. Because as soon as he stood up and that bell rang, 15 seconds later, he was truly knocked out. Yeah, it's like when you see these dudes get knocked down in, like, kickboxing fights and they give them the standing eight, you know? They're, when they go, they're like, oh, yeah. they, You know, the referee's like, you, are you good to fight? They, everyone, everyone says yes. And then these guys walk right into, like, brutal head trauma. You know what I mean? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's the same way, you know, training, you know, like, they all, you know, your coaches, they, they train you to, to say the word yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. You know, because, you know, it's, it's, it's a training situation. You know, you, you're, you're going to be a fucking tough guy. And if you're not a tough guy and you can't take it, then, you know, it's, it's going to work itself out. You're going to work yourself away from that. Like, fuck, I've still got a headache a week later. I don't think I'm going to spar today. And then that turns into, oh, I'm just going to do some light training into, oh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm out of it. And that's the smart way to do it. That's what, one of the reasons that I quit, like, hard sparring because, you know, I just couldn't take it. And my body couldn't take it anymore. Like, my knees were constantly fucking hurting, you know, and getting hit, getting, you know, like that. I'm not a young man. That's, I mean, that's a that's a 100% young man's game. Oh, yeah, taking that kind of abuse for sure, man. Yeah, you, yeah after a while, you got to say no to that shit. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm all about, like, grappling and all, you know, I still do even now, you know, because I'm trying to, trying to get in the best shape I can before going into the surgery. I, I'm getting back into Thai boxing, and uh, it's, there was a, a person that was holding pads for me two or three weeks ago, and they're just like, oh, you, you, you know, you seem like you know what you're doing. You know, you fought, you, you've been a fighter before. I was like, yeah, when I was <laughs> 10 years ago when I could take that shit. Not anymore, you know. I just, ugh. Yeah, that's the thing, man. It's like, you know, you, you know, you know, hitting pads versus getting hit in the head and like kicked in the ribs and taking liver shots and getting your leg tenderized like that's like a different game you know what I mean it's like you know it's like you got you got to really be be conscious of like what you're doing and if you do decide to spar like with, with Muay Thai or whatever you got to make sure you're gonna you're gonna move around with a guy who's not gonna get his ego involved and like want to take you out and that that happens more times than not you know yeah because the, especially with the younger guys, because that you know they're, you know they don't they don't have the the years that you know someone older does, and their ego gets involved, and they're trying to they're trying to validate themselves through winning. You know they're trying to be like, I'm this because I beat this guy, and every single thing's a competition. And the and the and the people that truly go out there and win and win big things, that's the mentality that they have, because that's the mentality that they need. You know, at my age, I don't need that fucking mentality anymore. My mentality is I got to get up and go to work tomorrow and, you know, pay my mortgage and, you know, get, you know, I got, I got grown up shit to fucking think about. <laughs> yeah, totally, man. Yeah. 
So, um, what do you think of that Poirier Eddie Alvarez fight, man? And what do you think of this whole thing with the rules? That's really the question we have. That's really the thing we got to talk about. Is this like confusion with what states have what rule sets? Yeah, Th- that fight was awesome up yeah. until the point that it stopped because he had Eddie Alvarez in trouble. Eddie Alvarez, of course, it's Eddie Alvarez. You can never count that guy out. Of course, that's another guy that's probably one knockout away from needing to stop fighting because he's been fighting for so long. But, I mean, that was a back-and-forth war. But, but you're, you know, they need to figure out what the fuck is going on with these rules. It can only be one set of rules, period. Yeah. You, you can't just be like, oh, well, in Texas it's this, but in Wyoming it's this, and in California, no. There should be one true rule set, period. If you're gonna allow knees to the head, you know it can, you know whatever whatever the situation is, there can't be any confusion. You know I know they I know that they did that as a no contest, which is hugely questionable because he he was obviously down on all fours when Eddie Alvarez blasted him that second time. Yeah. You know it should have been a disqualification, but there was never. I mean when he need him in that position the first time there were he, the ref should have stopped it right then. Should have deducted a point, stood them both up, gave them the warning, and let them go back at it. You know, back in the back in the uh, original set, though, you only needed to have one knee down and, and a hand, right? Is that is that how the rules used to be? Well, it's well. I mean, uh, originally there were rules, and you could knee the shit out of somebody in the fucking head. Yeah, know? like in Pride era, like the Pride days, you could just like yeah, soccer days, kick people. Even in the or, early days of UFC, you could knee the shit out of somebody. You could knee the shit out of a downed opponent. Right, but it's changed. You know, it's been, you know, that if uh, I think it's if their knees, if their knees are down, you can't knee them in the head. But if they're, if they're standing up but bent over and one hand is on the ground, you you cannot knee them in the head. But if they're bent over and you pick their hand up off the ground as you lift them to knee them, then that's legal. So it's it's just it's a weird set of circumstances to. Of how that works, because that's actually what Musasi did to uh, Chris Weidman. I think that he had his hands down. Musasi picked him up and then need him to make it like a legal strike. That is that is one hundred percent correct. And Chris Chris Weidman, I I've liked that guy up until that fight because he was trying. That was an act. He was all laid out and rolling around like he's hurt until he got until the doctor wouldn't let him fight. And then all of a sudden he jumped up and he's like, I'm fine, I'm fine, this is bullshit. Yeah. It's like, no, dude, you were trying to get that guy disqualified by acting out all of this bullshit and it backfired. Yeah. So take fucking lame ass to the locker room and reevaluate your fucking, your, your life situation because you just pumped yourself out. And Weidman's got another fight coming up against uh, Kelvin Gastelum. That's not going to be an easy fight for him, man. This dude, you know, that's... Dude, that Gastelum kid. Ever since Ultimate Fighter, he is, imp- you know, he's another one of those guys, you know, like 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 Ferguson that it's gotten better in every single fight. Yeah, totally. But they just pop Gastelum for weed, so I think he's out for six months. Ah, that's a stupid rule, man. I mean, it's like uh, that. That's. I mean, he's a California resident. And he's got some sort. I think he's got a card. I think that that should be that should be fucking. It's like when you just start popping people for for drinking alcohol, then too. You know what I mean? Uh, I agree 100%. The whole weed thing is a fucking joke in this country. Yeah. But, 
You know, it is it is a rule set that you have to follow, whether you agree with it or not. I mean, it is a sport, you know, and there are still laws in place. That's true. I don't agree with them, you know. I think that that, you know, that that should completely be done away with, because I mean, pharmaceuticals in this country are a fucking are a nightmare. Well, we can make a little quick you know, sort of tangent here about pharmaceutical drugs is like, I know that you and I both are fans of Chris Cornell and Soundgarden and, uh, you know, his suicide, there's evidence pointing that it actually, you know, most likely is going to be the result of some kind of um, antidepressant uh, dosage dosage, um, imbalance or whatever, you know what I mean? That seems to be the case. Right. And that's... and that's sad because, I mean, there are people, you know, because I guess that Ativant shit that they prescribe it to recovering addicts, addicts, which Chris Cornell is, um, that the first, you know, one of the first things that's in, like, the side effects is suicidal thoughts. Yeah. You know, of course, you know, you can't get away from the fact that, you know, the guy's dealing with depression, which I also deal with, and, and tons of people deal with it at different levels. You know, the, the, the mental health care system in this country is... is is terrible, but the pharmaceutical company also feeds on that like a leech. You know, they like, they don't want to help you, they just want to put you on pills and then kind of set you out into the wild and like, oh, we can adjust it as we go. You know, but someone, you know, that uh, is having depression problems and anxiety problems and then they're, you're giving them this shit, you know, it's, you're just pumping them full of fucking chemicals. And, and there are people out there that, that need medication to keep themselves stable and all that. And I, I 100% understand that. But, you know, there's there's two sides of that coin. You know, one being the, the mental health problem in this country that no one seems to give a shit about. And then the giant pharmaceutical companies that just want to, you know, put four-year-olds on fucking Ritalin and shit like that and think that's acceptable. Well, yeah, then they got lifetime, uh, you know, clients, man. They got lifetime customers. Once you get them young, get them addicted to all these pharmaceuticals, it's just like a disgusting drug dealer mentality that's disguised as big business or is is part of big business, rather. I mean, think about it like this. When was the last time that you heard of, um, of there ever being a cure for something? I don't think I ever heard of any kind of cure being developed, really. Exactly. But when your parents were, you know, they got out there, you used to get vaccinations because they got the cure for smallpox. You yeah. know, and you used to get, like, you know, different vaccinations that actually cured things. It's because there's no money in a fucking cure. There's money in, in reoccurring monthly revenue of keeping you on pills your entire fucking life. Yeah, man, it's fucking disgusting to me. You know, and uh, what's even more disgusting is like, you know, the uh, you know there are certain celebrities out there that you know I'm not a fan of or whatever. If they die, I don't feel the need to diminish them somehow in these like social media platforms. And I, I was really disappointed by some people who, you know, took that cheap shot at Chris Cornell and. Um, you know, I just hate to see it even with anyone. I mean, there, there are people who died recently. It's like, you know, like Prince. I mean, I, I, I appreciate his music, you know. Hey, I, I definitely recognize Prince as a important figure in music culture. However, I, I don't own any records, you know. And um, But I also didn't see the need to go out and, uh, and take pot shots at the guy just because I'm not the biggest fan. And I just was really disappointed in the reaction that people had in, um, 
you know, in the in the community that you and I are both part of, and it's really kind of you know very disappointing to me, man. Oh, you know, there's there's always there's always going to be that one fucking asshole out there. It's just like, oh well, you know, fuck that guy. He had everything. Like, dude, that's someone that you don't even know. And I'm not claiming that I knew Chris Cornell in any way, but I was a huge fan of the early Soundgarden stuff and Chris Cornell's solo stuff. Like that guy is a fantastic songwriter. He writes some of the most incredible lyrics that there's ever been. Like his solo, especially his solo acoustic stuff, is 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 amazing. Songs and the really commercial shitty Soundgarden songs, like Super Unknown and all the crap that was after that, and that Audio Slave garbage. If you listen to his like solo acoustic touring stuff, where he actually play those plays those songs acoustically, they're incredible. Yeah, I mean, I I don't I back even like the, the commercial stuff. Honestly, I mean, it's not my cup of tea compared to Ultra Mega Okay and you know, Louder Than Love and that stuff. But as far as like pop songs, I think that they were great songs. As far as stuff that you would hear in like a the kind of popular music context, they're they're better than like, you know, something by Bush or something like that. You know, so I mean. Yeah. You know, but it's not, it wasn't my cup of tea necessarily, you know. But, you know, there's always going to be that person that's just, like, wants to, like, try to make the shitty joke. It's because they just, they want that, they want that extra attention upon themselves. It's like, it's like, a, like a, again, like a petulant little child. Like, oh, look at me, look at me, I'm, I'm saying something that's edgy, I'm edgy. It's like, fuck you, fuck you. That guy meant a bunch to a lot of people, you know. Like, Soundgarden was an incredible, like, seminal band. Like, they changed the face of music. Yeah, I agree with that, man. And it's it's just sad because like I I just figured they they would end up being like Black Sabbath, like a bunch of dudes, like old guys up on stage, you know, performing, right. you know, doing their thing, like until they couldn't do it anymore. You know what I mean? I just I was always imagining Soundgarden as this band that would just, you know, age and just their their music would just season, you know, as time went by, and you would always get a chance to see them perform somewhere, you know, and that's. Sadly, that's not the case. You know, sadly, there's not going to be any more Soundgarden, you know, songs or records or tours or any of that stuff. And that's a real loss, I think, you know. And, you know, what gets me is, is, is the, the, if you really think about it, the people that were, like, trying to talk shit about that were, like, the ones that were completely brokenhearted when Lemmy died. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, my God, he meant so much. and blah, You know, it's just like, you know, you, you, you can't. You can't pick one side over the other. If you're not a fan of that guy's music, then just let the rest of us deal with it in yeah. our own way. No one wants don't. to fucking hear it. You know, no, no one gives a fuck if you don't like the guy. I don't. It's like when yeah. Amy, when Amy Winehouse died, I don't really know anything about her uh, music, <laughs> you know. Yet, I, she died. It was some really tragic scenario, and I was, but I didn't feel compelled to you know, speak out a turn or to put her down or put anyone who liked her music down or any of that sort of stuff. I just think that it's like, oh, something I know nothing about just happened. I'm going to keep my mouth shut and maybe I'll find out something that's interesting about it eventually or maybe not. But it's got absolutely nothing to fucking do with me. And I just let it go. So I just wish people would follow suit with certain things. Yeah. I mean, and that's, I mean, that's just the way things are these days. And, you know, the talk of, you know, making fun of people that commit suicide, a lot of that, like, getting away from, like, trying to talk shit about those people comes with experience, you know, and with age. Yeah. You know, and I've, cause I've seen, like, younger dudes, you know, like, talk shit, like, and I was one of those guys, too, you know, 
that a fucking pussy just needs to pull himself up by his bootstraps because I, I was that guy myself. But at the same time, you know, it's just trying to reflect things away from myself because I, I deal with depression. I've had suicidal thoughts, and the way that I pulled myself out of that shit multiple times was just like, you know, saying that you know, don't be a fucking pussy. You, you got to pull yourself through this shit. Not, but not everybody's me, and I'm not anybody else. You know what I mean? Right. You can't just say. You know, like, oh, well, get your shit together. Well, some people can't. You know, you don't know that guy's situation. People didn't know my situation. You know, luckily, I'm still here to fucking talk about it. But it doesn't mean it was fun. Yeah. But and also, I would say 99% of those same people that are, like, talking shit about Chris Cornell or anybody that's, that's actually committed suicide has probably done the same thing themselves. But they're just trying to be like, oh, that guy's a pissy. Yeah, like, you know, it's like they're trying to pump themselves up by putting somebody else down. You know, it's it's some, you know, looking in the mirror fucking Stuart Smalley bullshit, you know? Yeah, no, it sucks, man. You know, but, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, I'm, you know, I, 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 was, I was a fan. And, I, you know, I was really, really bummed by the whole scenario, you know? Well, it's just, it's just sad because, you know, he's not just a musician, you know? Like... He, him and his wife had a, a thing that helped. Un, um, they had just started this charity thing to help underprivileged kids, you know, keep music, music programs in schools and stuff like that. You know, it, it wasn't just like the guy just sang songs. You know, there's a lot of other shit. He had a wife, two kids. You know, it's it sucks whether you like the guy's music or not. I mean, to somebody that you don't even know, it's still just a shitty situation because it's the collateral damage. It's what's it's what's left behind. You know, that's the worst shit. Yeah. So uh, probably another fight we should talk about on this card was Yoana uh, Jacek versus uh, Jessica Andrade. Man, that that was like. Yeah, let's not talk about depressing not, shit anymore. Mike. Let's not talk about death and suicide. <laughs> let's talk about like some uh, some you know physical violence here. <laughs> she she but by far Yoana is. The single best striker in the UFC. 100%, man. I don't think anybody comes close to her skill level at all. You know, and, and after I watched the the post-fight show when I drove back from Dallas, and, uh, you know, they were like, oh, well, there's still some guys. You know, it's just like, cause it, was, it was, you know, Cormier and uh, Kenny Florian, and they were, you know, and Kenny Florian's like, oh, I think she's probably the best striker, but then Cormier was trying to say that, of course, Conor McGregor's no, the best. Like, no. Conor McGregor's not the best striker. There's better better strikers out there than him. But there's not a single person, man or woman, in the entirety of fighting that you know right now that's a better striker than that than that, than that young lady. She is incredible. Yeah, I mean, she's been a multiple, like, European Muay Thai champion, and her focus has been strictly on fucking throwing punches and kicks at people, you know what I mean? You know, for most of her yeah. life, and that and this MMA stuff is like new to her, really. You know. Yeah, but her takedown defense is—you know—she's really worked on like keeping shit together where she can. You know, she doesn't let anybody hold her down very often. Her takedown defense is great. Her defense is great. She always seems to make her way back to a standing position. I mean, I—I I, I really like the way she fights. Her stand-up is incredible. But she's one of those people that, like, leading up to a fight does the shit talking yeah <laughs> and it oh, makes, yeah. Me, makes me she has that fucking Frank Mir disease like because when Frank Mir was a coach on Ultimate Fighter when he was on there you know as I've, I've never been a Frank Mir fan 
but when he was on there, man, like he really helped those dudes out. Like he said some really cool things and got those guys going on a, in, a, in a good direction. And it's like, man, I think I could really maybe, you know, like Frank Mir. And then at the end, building up to his own fight or whatever. I don't remember. I think it was uh, when he was fighting. Uh, what's his name? Big Nog. You know, oh yeah, he's yeah. No talking shit. It's like, why are you? How can you be such a cool dude? And then fight time comes, and you got to become a shit talker. And she falls into that same category. It makes me fucking crazy. Her shit talking makes me uncomfortable. Actually, you know what I mean? It's like this weird. Maybe it's because it's in like broken English and shit. But it's like it's like this super uncomfortable like like banter that she has. You know. <laughs> well, it's just like at the weigh-ins when she brought like that fake that fake belt and yeah. put it on. And- Jessica Andrade, I'm like 100% unnecessary. It's totally. just like, just, just stop. Just stop. You're this, anytime that you talk, any interview you've ever seen with her that didn't have anything to do with the fight, she's like, she's funny and she's relaxed and she's like telling jokes and, you know, she just seems like a, you know, like she could be like, you know, a really cool, funny person. And then it's just like, oh, time to build a fight. Now I got to start being a shit mouth. Yeah. Like, oh my God, just, just stop. Just that, that, if there's one thing I can change about the UFC, it would be that. Like, just, just stop with the shit talking. Another aspect of her game that um, I, I just recently thought about um, a couple days ago was the pace that she keeps for five rounds, okay? Now, the UFC, an MMA round is five minutes, okay? And a kickboxing or Muay Thai round is three minutes. Yet, she has been able to go from a three-minute round to a five-minute round while still keeping that insane pressure and pace going. And her cardio, it's like just her cardio alone can, like, crumble most of her opponents, man. It's insane. Oh, it made me tired watching her at that fight. <laughs> yeah, totally. For five rounds. For five five-minute rounds. Five five-minute rounds, and she was... There was never a time that she took off. Nope. You know what I mean? There was never, like... You know, I'm going to go in and throw some punches and kicks, and I'm going to take like a minute or two off and then really kind of start climbing up in the latter half of the round. No. That bell rang, and she was going like a fucking machine, dude. Yeah, just suffocating, you know. Yeah, they were, they were posting the fight, the uh, the round stats, the strike stats, up on the big screen as the, you know, between the rounds. And every single round, you know, like Jessica Andrade would throw like 12, you know, punches and kicks. And then Yolanda would have like 45 or 48. <laughs> yeah. Like, if she didn't triple it, if she didn't triple the output, it was really close, close to tripling the output every single round. <laughs> it was just, it was just so crazy. So, you know, um, there's, there's yeah, not a, there's not another striker in the UFC that can hang with her. Not nah, definitely not, man. I just think it's a, it's a fact that she's a woman and she's like only 120, 115 pounds that people don't give her more heat, you know what I mean? Don't, don't like sort of just say, okay, yeah, she's the best. She's the number one. They have to like have a, like a, a by the way with her, you know what I mean? And it's kind of, kind of a bummer, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a, it's a, one, it's a 100% bummer. And, and you're right, it's because she's a woman. Just believe me, you know, you can pick, you can pick anybody out. In, in the UFC and give them a dick and put those kind of numbers on them and they'll be like, oh my God, this is the greatest striker of all time. Nah, totally, man. Yeah. You, you, you take the penis away and then it's just like, oh, well, you know, there's some other people we should talk about. Like, fuck you. 
just put put if if it's all about numbers and it's all about stats, I, I'll put that young lady's stats up against anybody's in the history of the UFC. There's no one, no one ever been able to put those kind of numbers up. And it's not bullshit strikes. She's throwing like real strikes the entire time. You know, there's substantial. She throws she throws to to do damage. She's not like just throwing a little shitty jab out there just to you know. She's not like smacking you. You know, every single every single thing she does is is for damage. Yeah, it's with intention, man. Every single one, definitely. You know, I'm looking at the pound for pound too, man. We still got we got DJ, and then we got Conor McGregor, then we got Daniel Cormier, Jose. Let's see where she she shows up. She doesn't show up here until number seven, pound for pound. That's uh, kind of a travesty. Uh, she, she's, is she the only woman that's in the pound-for-pound pound list? Uh, let's see here. Nope. Amanda Nunez. Well, Amanda Nunez comes in at 11. And Joanna is the only women, woman in the top 10 for, as far as pound-for-pound pound goes. Right. I would put her I would put her top top three, man, in, in reality. I mean, she's... McGregor somehow is number two, yet he's never defended any of his titles. And... Uh, DJ, I, I, I'm going to say Def, Demetrius Johnson 100% deserves number one, in my opinion. Yeah, that guy is like, he's like a video game. Yeah, <laughs> the Matrix, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, definitely. You know, and he's another one of those guys that, like, his, his output every round is ridiculous. I would say number one, DJ, number two, Ioana, as far as pound-for-pound pound greats. Yeah, I you would know? say, yeah, if it's a pound-for-pound pound thing. But if it came down to striking, then she would definitely be number one. For striking, hands down, number one. You want to end check, definitely. Yeah. I, you know, pound for pound overall, you know, I would definitely put DJ one, her probably two. It makes me sick to say it, but probably John Jones, number three. So, yeah, I man. That guy. Yeah. I mean, you can't, as much as uh, he's an easy guy to hate, you got to give respect where respect is due, man. I mean,. He's pretty impressive. Oh, he's an incredible fighter. He's just a fucking complete turd of a human being. Yeah. Though I have to say that I've come around to him only a little bit because he is not trying to play the, um, you know, the good guy anymore. You know what I mean? He's playing the heel a little bit more effectively. Well, because, you know, he's, he sees the money in that, too. Yeah. You know, but he... He's definitely a fucking shit human for sure. Oh yeah, for sure, man. But you know, in, in, you know the shit talking thing. Just like backstage, during the, I guess they had like the lead up to that fight. And he started like talking shit about Cormier's children. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty low. You know, just like that, this this guy that was like trying to talk shit about Michael Kies's mother at the same event. You know, it's just like what. You're, shut your fucking mouth. Like, the one thing you want to talk shit about is the guy's parents or children. That's, that's just some junior high, like, pussy shit. I think that guy's name is, like, Kevin Kelly or something Kevin like that. Kevin Lee? Huh? Kevin Lee, I think, right? Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. It's some guy I've never heard of. He's fighting Michael Chiesa coming up. Yeah, I, I read about that. Trying to talk shit about, about Michael Chiesa's mother. And there's like a pretty deep relationship apparently that you know that he was trying to exploit because uh, you know I, I heard an interview with Kiesa and he kind of broke down his relationship with his mom and everything. And, uh, you know when he was on Ultimate Fighter, he left the Ultimate Fighter 
because his dad died while they were filming that show. Yeah, I remember that, yeah. You know, and then, you know, he, you know, of course, in a situation like that, you're going to, whichever the, the, the living parent's going to be, whether your mother dies or your dad, you're going to get close to it, you know. So the guy's incredibly close to his mother. But, you know, the first thing you try to fucking talk shit about is, you know, I mean, come on. That's just some fucking junior high bullshit. But, you know, it, it sells tickets. Yeah, I hate that, shit, that man. shit. I hate, uh, makes me fucking crazy. So what do you think about GSP coming back? You think that's going to happen or no? Oh, I think it's going to happen. I think it's gonna. I, I think it's gonna happen. There's a huge amount of money involved, so of course they're gonna do everything they can to make it happen because they got to pay that 4.4 billion dollar debt back or whatever the fuck it is. But you know, he's fighting Michael Bisping, who I cannot stand because he finds it necessary to shit talk. You know, just like he at the at the press conference that he showed up to about the GSP thing. Like the first thing he started doing was like trying to shit talk him. You know, like, talking about, he's, you know, all, I mean, all this unnecessary shit. Why can't you just come in there and say, man, this is going to be a test of skill, you know, he's coming to, he's coming to get me, I'm going to fight him, you know, I mean, there's just a lot more, like, honorable ways to go about that. No, I agree with that. You know, there's never a better thing in life than watching Dan Henderson, like, just blow Michael Bisping <laughs> up. I could, I could watch that on a loop every day of my life. Yeah, totally. So next week, man, we got a fight card that's, uh, I mean, I'm probably going to watch it, but it's like a little bit more on the kind of obscure side. You know, we, we just got, uh, we got Alexander Gustafson and Glover Teixeira fighting in the heavyweight division, or light heavyweight division, rather. And uh, I don't know, man. What do you think of that? What do you think of those two? They're both coming off wins. It's uh, number one and one and number one and number two. Apparently. Well, that that fight, it it, it depends on which one of each one of those guys shows up. Yeah. I've I've seen Grover Teixeira look incredible before in the ring. I guess John yeah. Jones, you look you look pretty damn good too. I thought. You know, I've seen him look great, and then I've seen him come in and just completely shit the bed. And Alexander Gustafsson. He looked incredible up until he started getting into the big name fights, and then he looked terrible. You know, DC, DC blew him up. Yeah. You know, made him look like a fucking amateur, and and that was after he, you know, in my opinion, beat John Jones for the title. But of course, the UFC protects his champion, so he lost. But you know, and then he when he fought uh, Anthony Johnson after that, Anthony Johnson blew him up too. Yes, he did. You know, so if if it's the same Alexander Gustafsson that shows up that, in my opinion, beat John Jones, he'll make Grover Teixeira look like an amateur. But if he shows up looking like the person that got blown up twice, you know, then Grover Teixeira's going to chew that dude up. Yeah, I kind of feel it's like it's a pick em, man, because of the, the inconsistency in both of these guys' performance over the last few fights, you know? Yeah, it's a one. I would I wouldn't bet on that. Just be like, oh, I just want to watch. Yeah. So, uh, what do you got coming up, man? Any more any action with Black Ops? Yeah, um, we got that. Our split is finally coming out. We sent all the material in to the company uh, actually to yesterday, 
So we should have some tapes out here in the next couple of weeks since this split we did with Crusher. Um, we're getting, hopefully, if everything works out, we're going to schedule um, recording our full length uh, with Brad Bell. Probably, we may record it like as I'm having surgery on a Monday, and I think we may record that entire record on that Saturday. Wow, <laughs> right, damn. Right before I go into surgery. But, uh, yeah, we're trying to trying to record it with Brad Bell, and then I'm, I think we're going to, hopefully, if everything works out, have James Plot and mix and master it. Oh, cool, yeah. I love that dude. Yeah, he's and, a good dude. I like uh, it, too. Uh, next weekend, I'm recording some new Derelict Satellite solo stuff. And then we have a show in Dallas on June the 3rd with this badass band called Partaker. Partaker, okay. Look them up. They're great. It's kind of like uh, like post... It's like some real smartly played kind of post-punk, kind of Fugazi-ish, but a little, a, little, a little not at the same time. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. I really dig them. Some su- it's 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 the bass player and drummer that are in Bearing Teeth, that technical death metal band that can basically outplay everybody that you know. Yeah. And uh, you know, super talented guys. And then the singer guitar player, the guy that writes most of the stuff, his name is Sterling Cash. He's a in- extremely talented guy. Um, has always been in great bands. So you're kind of bringing his like kind of post punk. You know, Fugazi kind of edge thing going with a very technical, extremely talented bass player and drummer. Oh, cool! Yeah, it sounds interesting, man. Definitely gonna gonna keep uh, keep up on on top of that. Yeah, I'll, I'll send you I'll send you the link later. Yeah. When we get done with this, I'll send it to you. I mean, it's 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 great stuff. And then the band, uh, the, we're playing with a black metal band, so I'll be talking trash. <laughs> I know how much you love black metal, so yeah. Yeah, I hate black metal. But uh, Tyranna Sorceress from Dallas. I don't know if you've listened to them or not, but they you probably like them. I mean, it's its really well-played and well-written black metal, if that even exists. But, you know, most of the guys that are in that band I've known, you know, forever and ever. And it, it'll, it'll be a fun show. There'll be a lot of shit talking going on between all three bands. <laughs> <laughs> right on, man. Well, thanks for taking time out and doing this. And uh, I'm actually going to be down your way uh, either in June or July on tour, so I'll, I'll be seeing you wants.
I appreciate that, man. I'll actually be down, uh, I'll probably be seeing quite a bit of you this year, because I'll be on the road quite a bit. Uh, whatever happened with the lineup with Tombs? Is it, is it set in stone, or are you still looking for guys? No, we got we got a solid lineup now. Um, you know, new drummer, pretty much a whole new thing, man. It's kind of funny how that same, works out. Same dudes that were here last time, or different guys completely? Uh, nope, none of those guys. Those guys are all just on, on for the tour, and uh, the guys that I'm in with now... Are more are there? You know, they're doing all the the touring we have for the year. We're like, you know, working on new material and that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, you know, it's um, one of the guys. Uh, the bass player Greg was the drummer in Ringworm. I don't know if you if you caught Ringworm when we came through with them last time. Oh, I love Ringworm. Yeah, I love that. and the guitar player Andy um, was in this band or is in this band called Black Crown Initiate, and um, he's a uh, yeah, I know that. Yeah, yeah, they, a lot of, yeah, they're they're a popular band, but uh, he's like a shred guitar player, man. So he's playing down his abilities to play in tombs for sure. So <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, well, some some you know, it takes a lot of talent to actually do that because I've been around guitar players that can only play fast. Yeah. And they can't make the change to play slow. You know what I mean? And it's it's not just guitar players. I mean musicians. Period. You know, back when I when I when I had Blood of Ronin going, which was a very slow doom, you know, sludgy doom man, we could not keep a drummer. We had some great some great people that came and played, but they just couldn't play at the slow pace. But you speed it up, and they were like, you know, hitting like a picture perfect engine. You know? Yeah, it takes it takes a lot of kind of intention to do that, you know. And it's like, yeah, it's it's you know, then you got just pros out there who can handle it. They just know the appropriate things to play at the right time, and that's that's kind of what Andy's like, man. He's play fast, he can play slow, he adapts, and that's cool. You know, he can also do vocals, too, so backup vocals and all that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and, so. And uh, who are you guys touring with? Uh, Fit for an Autopsy. It's uh, Fit for an Autopsy and Moontooth are on that. Fit for an Autopsy, you're uh, pretty, actually, the record is uh, was on, like, the Billboard, like, Top 40 or something like that. They, you know, seem to be... Uh, on the rise as far as popularity goes they're a little bit kind of like a different scene it's like more of this kind of modern metallic hardcore kind of thing and, yeah that uh, name kind of either gives it to technical death metal or like that deathcore kind of stuff yeah it's like they they've toured with a lot of different bands and they were uh, pretty enthusiastic about taking us out on this tour so i was like pretty stoked on the whole thing you know it should be should be fun you know See, I'm, I'm very much into playing shows where none of the bands sound the same. Well, I think that's going to be this tour. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. we got to... You know, the easiest way to discover a new band is to, you know, go see a show where no one sounds the same. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm all about that too, you know, and I think it's yeah, going to be great.